We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy by Duckhorn elevate your occasion. This is the High Stakes Lowdown, a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. I'm Eric Balkman from the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour and the FFPC. You can follow me on Twitter at Eric Balkman and the FFPC on Twitter at FFPC. Today I'm speaking with Ron Meyer, an FFPC player who has FFPC main event, Football Guys Players Championship, High Stakes Auction, and High Stakes Dynasty titles under his belt. His career earnings in the FFPC total nearly $25,000. In this episode, we discuss trying to figure out when to start and when to sit Amari Cooper, how Mark Ingram changes Alvin Kamara's fantasy value, and what you should do with Leonard Fournette in Dynasty Leagues, plus much more. Before we get into the show, I want to remind everyone that you can get a listeners-only 30% discount to a Rotoviz NFL Pass through the NFL Podcast homepage, rotoviz.com podcast. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all of the Rotoviz content and tools, and it helps support the podcast channel as well. Now, without further ado, here's $25,000 FFPC winner, Ron Meyer. Sitting here with me on the uh, Rotoviz High Stakes Lowdown this week is the unofficial slash official mascot of the uh, high stakes fantasy football hour the 
author of all those great FFPC Revelations League write-ups you read on the boards uh, every week on uh, at myffpc.com. Winner of numerous high-stakes leagues and uh, fighting for for uh, the Football Guys Players Championship this year, as as you know, as well as other leagues, but certainly doing very well in that. At Two Packer on Twitter, it's Mr. Ron Meyer. Ron, welcome to the slowdown. Thanks for having me on the show, Bulky. It sure is a pleasure to be able to be on the show with a bunch of distinguished guests who have also sat in this smoking seat before. Yeah, it's it's hot, and you're keeping it you're keeping it white hot again this week. Before uh, before we get into uh, all the great fantasy analysis that uh, you and I will uh, bring to the table, tell the listeners what you do for a living. I am a residential uh, mortgage originator here in Wisconsin, so if you're ever looking to move to Wisconsin, enjoy uh, the weather of below zero for 30-plus stretches of time, uh, look me up and I'll help you out. Yeah, I should mention, Ron is part of the Wisconsin-Tucky, I believe I'm saying it right, five, where we head down to the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship every year, uh, along with uh, Kurt Aw, Leroy Corson, uh, Dave Gerzak, myself, and you. And um, and uh, and I know that you work hard, too, because I've already been to Vegas with you during the FFPC live events where you are dutifully working hard uh, on your laptop while, you know, getting ready to draft as well. Oh, yeah. Money never sleeps, bulky. We work 24 <laughs> seven. That's right. That's <laughs> definitely right. So let's get into uh, into this. And the first thing I want to start off with. Now, we cover the, on the HSFFO, we cover the, the live pick-by-pick draft of the Genesis and Revelations drafts, um, which is basically the, the first 150 live uh, classic drafts the FFPC has every year. It's the week after uh, the NFL draft, the Friday after the NFL draft. And uh, you had the, I, I want to say, the 12 pick in, in Revelations this year. You went Christian McCaffrey there, which at the time was considered like, wow, that's, he really loves McCaffrey. Uh, and then in, in this Football Guys Players Championship team that heading into week four, you were in 32nd overall. You grabbed McCaffrey at the 204 in that draft during uh, the Labor Day Draftathon weekend. And if you look forward uh, another week uh, past that in the main event drafts, he's consistently going in the mid first round all over the place there. What did you see in McCaffrey way back in, you know, what would have been May that made you want him to made you want to select him at the end of the first round? And how do you envision him finishing this year? Well, I like to look at guys, how they uh, performed towards the end of last year. Have they added anybody at the position, subtracted new coaches, etc.? Um, and a little bit of strength of schedule. Last year, I want to say McCaffrey finished RB9-ish. And really, when he was taken at 112, that's about really where he um, was being taken. Um, there was a couple of wide receivers ahead of him. But I think that's exceptional value. I mean, 109, I figured that was by far his floor. And I figure he can finish as a top five wide receiver this year. With going in revelations, I don't like to look at, you know, some donkeys rankings that just came out. I just kind of go off of my own rankings really to start the season so I don't have anybody else's uh, poor uh, rankings in my head. I just kind of go off of my gut feeling of what I like to start the season. And really with that, you know, that pick, I really liked it at the 112. Before the draft even started, I went on Twitter, said I was going to take him at the 112. 
And it seemed like once drafts started taking off that year, he was going right around 112, 201, 202. And then as later summer came around and even into the first week of the preseason, he was going almost at the back end of two. And then he started out doing pretty well. Those first couple of preseason games moved back up to close to the beginning of round two and around one again. And then I really got lucky, I think, Labor Day weekend because I was picking at the nine spot. And I'm like, I went and posted on Twitter, I hope McCaffrey's still there at 109. Well, sitting at 109 for me was Saquon Bulky. So I had to take him there and I rolled the dice and, and I, I just totally got lucky that McCaffrey came back to me at the 204 in that league. Yeah, it was a heck of a start for you, uh, for sure. And that team uh, has vaulted up the uh, the uh, Football Guys Players Championship standings for sure. One of the things that was, that was frustrating for me, um, you know, for and for McCaffrey owners in general, it's like the big knock on him was, ah, oh, he can't run between the tackles. He, you know, he's not going to be able to get it done between the tackles. And I was always kind of like, that's fine. I don't care if he can or not. I want him healthy catching passes in space for fantasy. And then he went and had this 28 carry for 184 yard game against uh, Cincinnati in, in week three. And it's just like, don't do that because not only does, does that let everybody else know for next year for drafts um, that McCaffrey can run between the tackles, it's going to drive his, his price up. Like I, I don't want him going there because I don't want, I, I don't want him uh uh, taking all those carries because I don't want him getting pounded between the tackles. I, I want him healthy, and I don't want other people like saying all of a sudden, like, "Well, I guess he can do it between the tackles." Now I'm going to take him at the 105 or the 106 or you know what, or even higher in some cases. It, I, I don't want, I didn't want to know that he could do that, Ron. And now we all know, and the secret's out. Yeah, I pounded the table as hard as I could. You know, I'm I'm a big believer of the non-sheeple rankings. I like to go off of guys that I like, not what uh, somebody put out there for uh, projections, and uh, just go with it. If it if it wins, it wins. If it doesn't, oh well, you failed. At least you you tried. It's your money. It's your team. You know, draft how you like it. And it should be your rankings. I totally am with you on that. Um, Amari Cooper, I. <laughs> I, every time I think I have this guy figured out, I don't. And I don't know what to think of him. Is he actually a good asset to have on your fantasy team or not? Because it seems like as many times as he comes through in your lineups, he also lets you down with like a you know a 2-for-15 clunker or a 1-for-8 clunker. You took him at the 309 in this football guy's draft, so clearly you were a believer back then. Are you still a believer in him? <laughs> oh boy you told people that i took him at the 309 i think <laughs> hey, i think i think we just lost eventually. we just lost 90 percent of our listeners right here <laughs> <laughs> that's entirely possible but at least we still got the download oh yeah um you know he's he's got some talent he should be the number one guy there cars playing a little better this year too um, I'm starting to like him now in DEs. It seems like he has a pattern of one week he scores in the 20s, the other one he take the next week he takes off. He does have a pretty good schedule too, so uh, you know I think he's got a good chance. You do I think have to keep him in his lineup, is uh, keep him in your starting lineups right now as long as every other week he is putting up 20 plus. But you're going to get those stinker weeks, and uh, you're just going to have to live with it if you already got him on your team. Yeah, I mean, like, you you can't even, like, rationally look at, like, okay, I could reasonably pro- project what he's going to do. You know, he faces the Rams week one, and this is a Rams defense that largely, you know, gave up all that yardage to, to Thielen and Diggs. Well, he had one for nine that game. 
okay, well, then he goes on the road to Denver. Well, you're not going to get right facing that Denver secondary over there. And I, I know it's not what it has been. But 10 for 116, what? And then the following week, oh, the Dolphins. Oh, the Dolphins aren't that good. Sure, they're 2-0, and but who have they played? Well, he gets shut down 2 for 17. So then maybe you sit him against Cleveland, and then it turns into a shootout. Denzel Ward uh, is on him, and he goes 8 for 128 and a touchdown. There, you, you can't even predict it. I think you're right. You, you basically have to start this guy every week and hope for the best. Yep. Yeah, it's going to be a frustrating year if you got him, and luckily I only have him on two of my teams, so we'll see how it goes. What about for Dynasty? I mean, would you be looking to acquire him or, or dump him at this point? I had him in one Dynasty League, and I got rid of him two weeks ago. I uh, grabbed Sammy Watkins in a first for him, and I'm happy with that. I don't want him on my team anymore. Yeah, it's it's just the headaches. That you, don't, you don't want to have to deal with it. Um, speaking of your Twitter, uh, which, by the way, you can follow Ron on Twitter, at 2Packer. That's number 2Packer. Uh, you made a, a reference uh, about the similarities between Josh Doxson this year in trying to trade him, and then Corey Davis, how you think it's going to be next year. Uh, as it pertains to uh, their dynasty value. What do these two players have in common? And maybe maybe you're backing off this. I don't even know after Corey Davis's big game on Sunday. But what are these two players, or what did you see that they had in common? And uh, should dynasty owners actually be looking to flip Corey Davis right now after this big game that he had this past weekend? Well, when you see me on Twitter, you can't always believe what I say. There's rumor has it some people call me a liar. <laughs> <laughs> no, come on. Really, I've never said that. <laughs> exactly. Um, I mean, he started off the year. I mean, he's got a lot of, a lot of targets. But for dynasty wise, I really prefer guys on teams that the teams score a lot of points. And I really don't feel confident in him. You know, kind of long term for dynasty that he's going to do it. Right now, he's the go-to guy. He's seen a ton of targets. But there are no other really wide receivers that he's got. Delaney Walker's hurt as well. So really the only other option on that team is Deion Lewis. And so I would flip him now, especially after he just had this big week and a ton of targets, you know, get some good value for him. Um, I wouldn't uh, give him away at this point, but at the same time, I would not be looking to acquire him. And this is good. I mean, I mean, does does that mean good news for Taewon Taylor, or is he just a victim of this offense, in your opinion, as well, where he's he's going to have big games, but he's also going to have uh, some letdown games too? More of like, I guess, more of a best ball type guy rather than uh, a, a guy that you want to be plugging in week in and week out with the exit of Richard Matthews off Tennessee. Yeah, Taylor Taylor, I'm not a big fan of him. I see, I was kind of looking through today the free agency stuff that's out there. I see him in a few leagues as he wasn't picked up last week, but I'm still off on him. I think he's just he's just going to get a few extra passes just because there isn't much there, but I'm not, a, not really impressed with his talent. Similarly to Corey Davis, and and maybe you know the the time is right now to to see what you can get for him. What about Leonard Fournette? Because this guy is you know former first round pick. He was going in the mid first round of redraft leagues for the FFPC this year. If you own him in dynasty, I mean, is it is it time to try to get what you can for him? Because I, it it just doesn't seem like he's ever he's the type of player that's ever going to be fully healthy. I mean, he had that the ankle injury was just killing him during his rookie season. Now it's this hamstring where he couldn't get right in time for week three. And then he gets right for week four and then he leaves. It's just, it's one thing after another Fournette. You, you bring up the headaches with, uh, you know, owning a guy like Taewon Taylor or, or Corey Davis or, or Amari Cooper. I mean, 
you could probably make the same claim about Leonard Fournette having these frustrating games where he's you know scoring single digits or less for fantasy points. Yeah, Fournette's a guy that I've never been a fan of in redraft or in dynasty. Kind of give you an example, redraft this year, the big payback in Kentucky. I was sitting at the 11th spot. I could have drafted Fournette, and I passed on him. I, I let uh, John Rozak take him at 12. I, I just, I'm not a fan of his skill set. I don't like the offense of the Jaguars. To me, again, that's a team that doesn't score a ton of points, so I don't want him on my team either. And even going back to college, he did have some great games. Um, he was, you know, dominant, but he also was injured in college, too. I'd rather just, uh, you know, take the chips where I can and, and get a few other guys or one guy in a first-rounder next year for Fournette, and I'd be happy. Yeah, I think that's kind of where the starting point is because his upside, I mean, when he is running hot, it's just he he's great for your fantasy team. That team, you're right, it doesn't score a lot of points, um, but the philosophy, at least as far as I can tell, where, you know, they let Allen Robinson go and, and they, they, they're, they're not heavily invested. I guess Marquise Lee, they're kind of invested in, but um, they're, they're not really heavily invested into a wide open passing game. They, they want to win games on that defense and, and on Fournette. I was telling you this earlier, you know, I'm just trying to, to wait till he, had, you know, for the league I own him in the dynasty league I have him in. I'm I'm waiting till he has a good game so then I can flip him, you know, because I, I think like <laughs> at that point people there's got to be somebody in your league that will just take the the approach of, you know what I think he's past this injury stuff I I, I think now is the time to get him uh, this is a stud guy who would be going you know uh, clearly a first round redraft uh, or ex- clearly a first round startup pick right now I got to get him and he keeps letting me down because he's not having big games I just need one big game from him. And then uh, I'm going to strike while the iron's hot. So you are, you and I are definitely of the same mind there. Getting back to the Revelations draft uh, that you did earlier in May, another guy that, that went fairly high in that league was Calvin Ridley, who laid an egg week one. He has been on fire the last three weeks. I mean, just scoring touchdowns in bunches. I believe he scored as many touchdowns in the last three weeks that Julio Jones has scored in his entire career, which is insane. From week five on, who do you score? Who scores more touchdowns in that Atlanta offense? Is it Julio Jones or is it Calvin Ridley? This can't even be a serious question. That's a I mean, serious there's question. <laughs> there's there's only one correct answer on that one, and you got to take Ridley the rest of the year. Um, I mean, I'd even spot you three touchdowns giving him to Julio, so that might you know give him with the three you're getting. Maybe he'll finish the year with six total. If you're lucky, um, Julio, I mean, he's going to get a ton of yards. He's going to get a ton of receptions. But I just think once that play calling gets down into the red zone and close to the goal line, that guy becomes non-existent. And, I mean, even in week one, I mean, we were joking watching uh, at the viewing party where they took him out. How do you take out your best player that's, what, 6'10 or 7' or whatever he is? I mean, that's, that's just crazy. You don't take him off the field. Yeah, I don't. I, I I'm not really sure, and I don't know why more. And maybe the the Atlanta beat reporters are pressing the issue with Dan Quinn, um, and I and I just don't read it. But but I I just I don't see a lot of coverage on why he is just not targeted. I mean, I feel like that's the perfect guy that you go after when you get in close to to get these touchdowns. From a fantasy standpoint, if I take if we are if we're also taking receptions and yardage into the equation, Julio Jones still outscores Ridley. Uh, for the season, I just, I mean, you know, I, I mean, I, I believe Ridley too is, is going to get more touchdowns than him the rest of the way, but 
Fantasy-wise, Julio Jones is still the receiver over Ridley to own, right? Oh, yeah, by far. Um, kind of as a special note, too, for the listeners that didn't uh, follow along to the Revelations write-up, he was t- uh, Ridley was taken in the fifth round um, of that draft, actually at the 501. I thought that was uh, a bit aggressive at the time, but uh, throughout the season I was taking him um, right around ninth, tenth round in drafts, and it's turning out to be a solid uh, production guy for us. Yeah, definitely. Ridley is is looking very good. He's proving me wrong because there was a guy I was I was down on for his <clears throat> NFL chops, but he is he's turning out to be a special player. Uh, a guy who has been a special player over the course of his career has been Rob Gronkowski, but Ron not so much this season. He blows up Week One against the Texans. Seven catches, 123 yards, and a touchdown. Since then. It's been quiet. Two for 15, four for 51, four for 44. I'm kind of curious if you can handicap this a little bit because Josh Gordon is only going to get more. He's only going to learn the offense better as, as it goes on. It's, it's not a regression thing for him. Julian Edelman is coming back to this team. And I don't think Chris Hogan has hit his stride either in this offense. I'm kind of curious. Is Rob Gronkowski shaping up to be a bust for 2018 with, with all these weapons about to be at Brady's disposal, or does he turn it around here? I I wouldn't give up on Gronk. He's an elite talent. Um, the whole Patriot offense, you know, is, is uh, starting out a little bit slow, but I mean, you look at, you have Gronk and you have nobody else. Um, nice to see Sony Michelle come back a little bit, but now this week with Edelman back, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Edelman's got eight to 10, um, catches and uh, you know has 100 plus yards this week uh, just being back uh, Sony Michelle also do well and I think just by having those extra options there is really going to help Gronk be a little bit better it's going to keep that offense moving keep him on the field more and that's just going to give uh, Gromkowski more uh, opportunities down the stretch yeah I mean you obviously can't cover everybody solidly if you're going to be uh, playing uh, New England and I-, I think you're right I think he finds ways to get open and, and it's certainly it's one of those things where you can't bench him um if you're in some sort of redraft league where where you can trade uh obviously i think that the time is now to scoop scoop him up because i think he is in for some pretty big weeks um but yeah but i'll i'll echo your comments I, I don't think it's time to to give up on him by any stretch of the imagination uh moving on to the saints they have a big game they they've actually come on quite a bit they they lose that that uh barn burner week one to tampa 48 40 but it's been three straight wins for them uh, since then, including b- two big wins on the road uh, in Atlanta and in New York. Ron, the Alvin Kamara, you can't say enough about him, what, what he's meant to this offense. But this coming Monday night, they take on the Redskins at home, and they're going to get Mr. Mark Ingram back. How does he affect not only the fantasy prospects for Alvin Kamara, but where does he land? I mean, does he come back to being a, a fringe um, you know, top 12, top 15 running back the rest of the way? Is is he simply just like, you know, a guy who's going to be in the, you know, the 25, 20 to 25 range? Is he just a flex guy? How do you see um, the return of Mark Ingram not only affecting his own fantasy value, but Alvin Kamara's as well? I drafted a ton of Ingram, um, really anticipating him coming back and doing well. My biggest concern with that is he hasn't played for four weeks. Is he going to, you know, tweak a hamstring right away the first uh, 
series or a second series, but I think once he comes back, he's going to get a lot more of those goal line looks. Um, he's going to chew up a lot of that, you know, those rushing attempts that Kamara had. I mean, that guy's been on fire with the amount of points that he's been scoring, so obviously he's going to drop down. But, I mean, I think the rest of the season we could easily see both of those guys putting up 20 points a week. Um, but they do hit a really tough uh, stretch of their schedule after the bye week. They got the Ravens, the Vikings, and the Rams right there. So that'll be interesting to see. But I really like uh, down the stretch they get to play Tampa Bay, Carolina, and Pittsburgh in that three-week shootout to uh, end the year. By the time the uh, listeners hear this, uh, the waivers will have run in the FFPC and football guys leagues. Um, I, I know you said you're looking over who, who is available out there in your leagues. Is, is there any big targets for you this week that you will be going after, or, or should I say did go after uh, this week? Um, or, or is this, you know, I feel like week one, there's, you know, uh, there, there was some significant players out there, but the last couple of weeks, it, it's just been kind of um, more of a lull. Like I've, I've been getting through my waivers, you know, quicker than, than it seems like I, I have in the past. Um, just because there, there hasn't been, um, you know, very exciting players or players that could develop into being exciting fantasy assets down the road, or maybe I'm just missing out on them. I don't know, but you look at this week uh, in waivers, Ron is who are, who are the exciting names out there? Who are the guys that you're looking at? Yeah, this week is a little rough. Um, running backs, they're just kind of, eh. Tight end position's been decimated, so, like, Vanette is about the only guy I really saw out there maybe worthwhile, or that, what's his name, Swaim from the Cowboys. Oh, but yeah. neither of them, I mean, really excite me. Um, I would say your biggest um, bang for your buck is going to be coming from the uh, receiving category. Um, if Cobb is still out, um, Geronimo Allison is in the concussion protocol. So that Valdez Scantling guy, he could turn out to be, you know, really good to a plug and play guy for a couple of weeks as well. Um, I like him. And then, you know, who knows what's going to happen with Will Fuller when the guy plays, he always scores a touchdown, but the problem is when is he going to play right. so that, uh, Kiki might turn out to be pretty well. I think, uh, people are going to bid some good dollars on him. He's worthwhile, so I think those are the two guys I'm probably going to take a shot on this week. Um, I know Ronald Jones has been drafted in a lot of leagues, um, and then we, we saw the, the rise of Mike Davis last week. Both of those guys, are, are you even putting in a cursory bid on any of those guys, or are they, they players that, uh, you know, with, with the bye weeks coming up, that you're just not interested in soaking up spots in your roster? Ronald Jones, I only saw him available in one of my leagues, so I am going to put in a bid for him. I imagine most of the guys in the main events and stuff, he's almost gone. Davis, uh, he's a pedestrian player. I, uh, I'm not even going to bid on him unless I got to start him this week, and then I'm only going to pay two bucks for him. I think the Seattle running back, or this, you know, the the Seattle backfield, that's like the new New England backfield where you never knew who to play. You know, between whoever it was, you know, Brandon Bolden and. And, uh, you know, Kevin Falk and, and all the LeGarrette Blunt and, and James White and all these guys throughout the years. You never know who is going to have the big week for New England. Seattle, it's just like, you know, it, it's Chris Carson. And, and then it's, you know, they're giving Rashad Penny a look. And now last week, Mike Davis comes out of nowhere. It's just like you look at that situation, unless you're desperate, you got to you might be you have to wait that situation out to see who steps forward. But it's entirely possible that you end up waiting out the entire 2018 season and nobody ever takes um, the reins of that job. Or at least Pete Carroll doesn't give, doesn't allow anybody to take the reins for it because he's constantly mixing and matching. 
Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, when you take New England and the all the running backs that they had, the thing is, though, with New England, those running backs, they scored a lot of fantasy points, so it was worth taking a flyer on them to see, because if you hit, you hit on a good, a, a good week. Whereas in Seattle, I think if you hit on the right guy, you might get 8, 10 points. Um, and I don't think the risk-reward is, is worth it having those guys uh, tie up a roster spot. Uh, one of the other things I wanted to bring up before I get to this last question here um, is uh, Nick Chubb's performance. Um, this this past weekend, he looked great, had the couple of touchdowns, looked really, really good, including one, one long touchdown. And actually, Hugh Jackson said that um, – excuse me, yesterday, Hugh Jackson said that uh, Nick Chubb, quote, has to get some. So, And, and I'm looking at how this Browns running back rotation – um, shakes out. I don't think this necessarily affects Duke Johnson at all, but this could become maddening for Carlos Hyde owners and Nick Chubb owners. Again, not not really sure which guy you want to play now going forward, especially if Chubb, you know, gets you know somewhere in the neighborhood of double digit t- touches this week. That becomes a mess as well. Yeah, I, I drafted quite a bit of Chubb. I mean, I knew I wasn't going to probably start him the first six weeks, and the only way I was going to start him then is if uh, injury happened to happen with Hyde. They're feeding Hyde the ball quite a bit. I mean, he's still doing pretty well, but to me, the team is young. Get Try to trade Hyde, get what you can out of him, and start Chubb and just you know kind of keep building some chemistry on that. Um, but I think uh, the back to own down the stretch from Cleveland is going to be Chubb. It's just a matter of when are you going to feel comfortable starting with them, which I think is going to be a couple weeks out at least yet. Last question for you, two Packer, as we uh, you've been very gracious with your time, which I certainly appreciate. You look at uh, week five uh, coming up here. I can't, I can't believe we're in week five already. It seems like the season just started, but a stud. Uh, that was drafted early on uh, in FFPC leagues this year, or maybe a guy that wasn't drafted high but has been performing um, at a studly level, that a lot of uh, FFPC owners are going to start this week that you think, "Ah, guys, I think you should give it a second look before you plug them into your lineups. And then uh, on the other side of the coin, a sleeper that you think will be on a lot of FFPC benches that actually deserves to be in starting lineups. Yeah, I got one team that I'm really deep at wide receiver this week. And um, benching Tyreek Hill this week against the Jaguars, I don't think is really that off the wall. Um, Sammy Watkins is hurt, so if he's hurt and they can really key on Hill other than Kelsey, um, I think he could really put up a stinker this week. Um, And then as far as... My flyer pick last week I went with him. I'm going to stick with him this week again is um, Kirk uh, for Arizona. Um, now that Rosen is playing, he's got another week, um, you know, running first team reps. I know Chad Williams is kind of eating into uh, the snap cone as well, but I think uh, Kirk could do pretty well going against the Niners this week. Yeah, that you know, it's funny that I am not excited at all to watch that um, Cardinals 49ers game, but at the same time. I really want to see if Kittle can do it uh, two weeks in a row. I want to see if Larry Fitzgerald can get back on track. I want to see if Christian Kirk takes another step forward. I want to see if David Johnson finally busts out. It's like it's the most unentertaining, entertaining game of week five. Yep, it's going to be a fun one, that's for sure. Well, this was a fun one, my friend. Certainly appreciate uh, you uh, making your high-stakes lowdown uh, debut this week. I wish you uh, nothing but the best of luck. 
in all of your leagues going forward, except, uh, of course, the Blake Carrington Dynasty League, which uh, I'm hoping this is my year in that league. I've, I've, I've suffered through a lot of agonizing heartbreak, and, and it, I'm off to a good start. So please don't ruin that that league for me this year. You can ruin all the other ones, Ron, just just not Carrington this year. I'll trade. I'll send you a couple of trade offers. See what see how we can train wreck that team before the season's over. Fantastic! I look forward <laughs> to it. Thanks again, man. We'll talk to you again soon. Alrighty. Thank you for listening to the High Stakes Lowdown, a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. And thanks to Grapes for our theme music. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the Rotoviz Radio feed. It helps us find new listeners. Contact us via email rotovizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think. And follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the show by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the NFL podcast homepage rotoviz.com slash podcast. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy by Duckhorn elevate your occasion. Ready, set, save California? It's sellathon time this Labor Day at your California Ford dealer. Get ready for the best offers of the summer on the 2019 Ford lineup, like an adventure ready Explorer or the all new built Ford Tough Ranger. Or get behind the wheel of the 2019 Ford F 150 with the power, toughness, and capability to carry any payload. You've waited all summer for these deals, and the wait is over. So, ready, set, save. The Labor Day sellathon is on now, but don't wait. These deals won't last. Hurry into your California Ford dealer before it all ends September. Third. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.